online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound. This is Mimi Harker, and you're listening to Mimi Meets. And as with every week, I like to bring extraordinary people for you to listen to, people who've made a difference to my life, people who I find um, inspirational. And this week is absolutely no different because in my studio today, I have two very special guests, two amazing ladies who have made a difference to so many people's lives through the work that they do, which we're going to talk about today. So in the studio, with me I've got Joanna Hill and I've got Holly Miles welcome ladies thank you very much for having us it's great to have you here and actually it's really good to to talk to you because what we're going to talk about is nutrition well-being mindfulness how to live your life in a really healthy holistic way in order to get the most out of it and to be the best that you can be does that sound about right I think that's what we do yep, absolutely <laughs> So tell us a little bit about um, what what you do. Well, my background is originally a business background. um, And about 20 years ago, I became very interested in therapeutic nutrition, which is heavy-duty nutrition for reversing disease um, through the illness of a member of my family. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had small children at the time and had become a lot more aware of um, the impact on their lives, of the environment, of the food they eat. Um, I think when you're young, you feel you're invincible. But once you have small children, you realise that they are not invincible. And it certainly changed me a lot. Um, And I read everything I could find around the subject of nutrition. And Mm -hmm. it leads in many, many different directions around holistic healthcare, whether it's um, the impact of microwaves in the environment, whether it's pollution, whether it's what you put in your teeth, you know, all of the different things that we do to ourselves um, in theory that are good for us, but in practice, a lot of them are not good for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I thought about becoming a nutritional therapist um, because nutrition was always what called me the most. But I'm a bit black and white. Um, I'm an accountant, debit, credit. There's very little that sits in the <laughs> middle of that. And I, I don't think there are many there are many people that are, that are not in the middle of that. So I realised quite soon that I was probably the wrong person to be a nutritional therapist um, and I was to some extent I was more interested in what I could do to further the cause of nutritional therapy rather than working in it myself individually and my background as a management consultant is about facilitating change so I mean the thing Joanna is everybody knows you for your original business which is the Bagnell Centre um, I certainly met you through that and I was literally blown away by what you do there because it's not just about you know um, nutrition you had yoga and pilates and all the sorts of things that are good for the body and the soul as well so it was a completely holistic approach to well-being yes the Bagnell Centre was uh, quite a big concept and I think in some ways that was, it was a bit before its time mm-hmm. We were, we were looking at not just nutrition, but exercise, relaxation, mm-hmm. sleep, and, and all of the complementary therapies as well. And I think there were many people who believed in what we did already, and, and they obviously came to the centre and loved it. The difficulty we had was in selling that concept to those people who don't, didn't yet and don't yet Absolutely. grasp what holistic well-being is you know, it's not something fluffy yep. um, to do with ladies wearing long skirts and incense it's actually about <laughs> looking at your life and and all the impacts on your health from everything that you do 
Indeed. And um, I mean, we were laughing there. I mean, Holly, you were laughing there because it is true. That's the sort of image you get, isn't it? When you talk about holistic medicine um, and then a holistic approach to life, it is very sort of hippie-ish and yeah, flower power and as you say, incense. And <laughs> I'm very keen to change that image, actually. Um, I had a feeling you might. Yeah. <laughs> no long flowery skirts for me, I'm afraid. But I am drinking peppermint tea. So. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> so Holly, tell us a little bit about what you do. Right. Well, I trained a few years ago as a nutritional therapist and a health coach. Uh, I also got into sort of nutrition through sort of health issues of my own. I think about 15 years ago, after quite a significant life event, I started to get things like IBS and, you know, a lot of people suffer with digestive issues. And over the years, you know, went back to the GP numerous times, tried different medications, but fundamentally nothing particularly worked. And then about seven years ago, a GP actually, I think he was perhaps at a loss as to what to tell me to do next. He said, look, why don't you try a nutritional therapist? I think it was a lady in, um, I think it was Chesham. Mm -hmm. And I went to see her two or three times and I was so amazed by, I don't know, the, the science behind nutritional therapy. I didn't really know it existed, which was strange because I had a degree in physiology, but for some reason it had never been on my radar. Mm -hmm. And I did a lot of reading around the subject. And yeah, I decided to train at CNELM in Wokingham. I uh, did an MSc in personalized nutrition alongside a nutritional therapy practice diploma and registered with the CNHC in Bant, and, and um, here I am. And here you are. Yeah. And all I will say is the reason that we're all sitting here together, apart from the fact that I've known Joanna for many, many, many years, um, is the fact that we all got together because you were doing a little pilot, weren't you, with um, to test out nutritional values and using supplements and mindset and all that sort of thing with uh, diabetes and fibromyalgia. And, of course, as my listeners know, I'm, I'm a person that suffers from fibromyalgia. And one of the things that I have found so helpful is that sort of regime of um, supplements that I've been taking, which have obviously dealt with something that's depleted in my own system. And, and, and it has made me feel an awful lot better. Well, with uh, nutritional therapy, what we tend to do is we, we first look at the diet itself to look for any dietary imbalances and also look at lifestyle factors that might be impacting on your health. So stress management, getting enough sleep, Mimi, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> and activity levels. And then in some cases, uh, there are benefits to certain supplements. Um, I would only recommend supplements once I got to know a client mm -hmm. and... Uh, only choose those where there's some sort of research supporting the yeah. potential benefits for a health Indeed. condition. Indeed. But yeah, they can be extremely powerful. If, if you know what you're doing. If you know what you're doing. I, I'm sort of on a, a mission to make sure that people just don't run out and get loads of supplements off the internet. I think a lot of people don't realise that uh, they don't suit everybody. Indeed. You've got to be careful with different medications, etc. And you've got to be careful where you buy them from as well because they, you don't necessarily get the right proportions of things. Mm. You could be having a lot of chalk in, in the tablet, for example, <laughs> if you don't buy it from a reputable source. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I've learned, which is really great. So, Joanna, how did you two meet? I met Holly because um, I always took a particular interest in the nutritional therapists who worked at the Bagnall Centre. Yeah, um, we, we got talking. I think you invited me to speak at the diabetes conference because I'm also a, a health coach mm -hmm. and I've done quite a lot of research in a, something called adherence, people actually sticking to diet and lifestyle yes. changes longer term. So well, I need one of those. Yeah. <laughs> 
so I I think that's where it all started, really. Yes, we, we, we have run two conferences and we're running a third one in June this year Okay. on lifestyle and specific diseases. The mm -hmm. first was lifestyle and cancer. Yep. Uh, two years ago, um, and all our speakers are medical doctors right. who believe in lifestyle as a powerful intervention in chronic disease. Yes. So we did lifestyle and cancer two years ago and lifestyle and diabetes a year ago, mm -hmm. and, and you're quite right, Holly, I think that was when we yeah. first started talking, and Holly spoke about her coaching experience um, at, at the conference, and I realised that in Holly I'd finally found a a very talented um, and professional nutritional therapist who who could a who actually had a very deep root in science and research mm -hmm. and um, the danger in nutritional therapies um, as in all complementary medicine is that the practitioners can become very evangelical mm -hmm. about what they do mm -hmm. and then people can write them off yeah, and so Holly asked for a black coffee this morning, even though I persuaded her to have peppermint. Tea. <laughs> yes, I'm very human. I'm afraid. And Holly, and Holly has a much more rigorous. Um, I don't say mainstream because she's not mainstream, but she, she is. Um, she keeps um, everything she's done is based in research and science. Yes, and that, that is hugely important for the sake of credibility. Yeah, um, and actually, that's what I do. love about the work we've been doing because it's because you've been able to explain to me. You know, in an intelligent fashion, rather than just you know, you go and get a prescription, you go and get your prescription, and then you just take whatever it is. But I actually understand what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, mm. and that um, psychologically and mentally makes a massive difference to whether you stick to a program or not, because mm. you understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. Then all of a sudden, you realise what the benefits are, mm. and that, I, for me, that's been really, really important. It's the biggest reason I've managed to stick to our program. <laughs> it's a big part of the nutritional therapy process mm. firstly you get a, a huge amount of information from the client the health history and you know presenting symptoms and their diet etc etc and if they're on any medications and then once you've had some, taken some time to sort of process what could be going on you then explain it to the client so they have a really good understanding of why you're asking them to make the changes because if you don't know why you're doing something, you're far less likely to stick Absolutely, to it. which is exactly my point, because I understand why I'm doing what I'm doing now. Mm. So therefore, I'm actually looking at a long-term sort of vision, if you like, of how I'm going to change my life and my lifestyle and what I do to myself. Mm. And it's not something I need to do today to lose a stone by next week, you know, or to feel better by, you know, next month or whatever. It, I know this is something I'm going to have to do forever um, in a very, you know, calm and collected and organised way yeah if that makes sense does that um, make sense absolutely and that's something i try and um steer clients well away from that sort of all or nothing approach mm. a lot of people want a really quick fix yeah. i think right for two weeks i'm going to go on some fairly crazy restrictive yes. diet and then it will all be sorted out but it, it's really about lifestyle making yes. sustainable change that can hopefully support better health throughout your life indeed and i've done all those diets by the way <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's a single one I haven't done. No. <laughs> so, yes, and it's always been, you know, they're fine while you're on them, and then as soon as you come away from them, that's it. You're back to you're back to square one and worse, actually. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that's always been my experience. So it's never worked in that respect. So the first thing that Holly and I um, are collaborating on is a series of talks entitled Why Diets Don't Work mm -hmm. um, and What You Can Do About It. Mm -hmm. So that's aimed at people like yourself, and there are many, many others who have tried everything to lose weight, to perhaps reduce pain, to improve sleep, to improve energy, and, and not been able to 
make it work mm -hmm. for them. Yes. So um, the idea there, um, it's a two-hour session, about an hour's talk that Holly gives, which explains um, the background to um, her, the, the paper that she wrote and the research that she's done mm -hmm. into that, but also looking at the, the macro position, you know, what, what is happening in the world, wh what are the impacts on our health yes. that are coming at yes. us from all different angles, both psychological, physiological, emotional, cultural, societal, there's a huge amount of um, pressures from absolutely so many different places. Mm -hmm. The reason we were motivated to put together this talk is because there is such a sharp rise in um, obesity mm -hmm. in this country. Yes. And alongside that, chronic diseases associated with overweight and obesity, like type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease. Um, and I think the majority of people are aware that being overweight has health consequences. And I think given the size of the diet industry, lots of people are indeed on diets trying to lose weight, but evidently they're not working. And during the, the talk, I discuss a number of the factors which might be at play. So for example, for some people, uh, their, gene their genetics actually play a role. Uh, some people do find it certainly more easy to gain weight uh, I'm one of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, epigenetics, that's a really fascinating section of science, looking at whether genes are actually switched on and off in, in the cells in your body. Uh, quite, quite complex, but quite an exciting field. Uh, also something called leptin resistance. Mm -hmm. All of our fat cells actually produce um, a hormone that tells the brain that you, you've eaten enough and it actually should lower your appetite and increase your, your desire to move around and burn calories. But it would appear that with our modern diets and lifestyles, when people become overweight, their brain actually stops hearing the message sent by the leptin. So even though their fat cells may be quite full, they're still really, really hungry and their bodies don't want them to move around so much. It's very interesting. I mean, I'm subject. smiling because that sounds like <laughs> my state of mind all the time. I never feel full. No. But I don't eat big quantities. I pick. I cannot eat a full meal. Yeah. I will eat small bits all, all the time. That's me. And I don't think that's health. Well, it can't be. Look at me. <laughs> I mean, there are, other, there are other lifestyle factors that are strongly associated with, I suppose, increased appetite and difficulty losing weight, mm. such as lack of sleep. When we're tired, uh, our appetites increase. I suppose perhaps it's a survival mechanism. Um, other things that can impact on appetite is stress. A lot of people find when they're stressed that they can they want to eat a little bit more. When you're stressed, you can also be a little bit more resistant to losing weight as well. Uh, medications, some medications have side effects which increase weight, uh, imbalances in hormones. So there's all sorts of things. But one of the other areas uh, I talk about in, in the, the talk about why diets don't work is food choices. Certain foods make you feel fuller for longer. Mm -hmm. Uh, whereas others can actually lead you to feel hungry a couple of hours later. So, well, Give us some examples. Well, unfortunately, the sort of high sugar snacks or even a quite a sugary breakfast, uh, let's say you, know, you had some sort of frosted cereal uh, with very little else for your breakfast, the chances are, for a lot of people anyway, we can break down and absorb the, the sugars in that food. And remember, any starchy foods like the cereal itself is actually made of sugar. Mm-hmm. 
And it's essentially like dumping all that sugar in your blood all at the same time. And you only need about a teaspoon in there at a time. Mm -hmm. So blood sugar levels can go very high. The body reacts to that by uh, releasing insulin, which then brings blood sugar levels back down again, but often a bit low. So what can happen if you start the day with something sugary? You get a sugar high and then you crash and you want something sugary again. You could eat the same number of calories of something like, I don't know, some scrambled eggs on wholemeal toast, Mm -hmm. and you're far less likely to have that blood sugar fluctuation. So it's not necessarily about the calories, it's about what what you're actually eating. That makes really good sense. Yeah. That does make good sense. Actually, I've got a little story to tell about that. So I I come in um, to Wickham Sound. I love coming here. It's my, I just love it. And one of our volunteers on the day that I'm in, Jill, the lovely Jill, brings in um, cookies. And it's the only time I ever allow myself to be naughty and I will go and have one of these amazing cookies because Jill's brought them in it feels like it would be rude to say no absolutely I then find myself which I this is the bit I find interesting it obviously has an effect on me Um, whether it's the sugar levels I'm not sure but I suddenly become almost as if I've had a couple of glasses of wine I become quite which I, I've only noticed this since we've been talking because I mm. couldn't understand why all of a sudden I was sort of like not being quite as careful with what I was saying <laughs> or quite as sort of controlled in my mannerism, my behaviour. And the only thing I could tie it down to was the fact that I was eating this cookie. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It sounds like you had a, a burst of energy, like children coming home from a party when they've had loads of sugar. <laughs> <laughs> The other thing that I talk quite extensively about is our relationship to food. Mm -hmm. Um, So much of the time we're not eating because we're hungry. Yeah. Uh, We use, we all do it, myself included. We use food to switch us from perhaps a a lower mood, maybe you're stressed or anxious or bored, into a more positive mood. Mm -hmm. So, you know, feeling a bit calmer or stimulated or excited, whatever. Um, So very often... And it can be because of our upbringings. It may be that, you know, when you were feeling upset as a child, you were given something to eat. So now as adults, we see food as a a reward. Mm -hmm. Uh, So a lot of the time when people find that they're they're overeating or snacking, it's about really understanding what's motivating you to do it. Really sort of standing back and saying, "What what is this snack actually getting for me? And then if you can figure that out, you can often find something else to do instead. What else could you do if you're bored to... You know, find something more stimulating rather than eating something. I've looked at that because I could eat continuously, but but not huge amounts. I could literally just pick, 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 and I crave um, savoury foods. I crave salt. I mm. crave um, chili. I crave anything that I think that stimulates your taste buds, really, um, in order to maybe get a bit of excitement into my life. So I've I've actually tried to turn that around, and when I feel that craving coming on. I actually stop what I'm doing because of the conversation that you and I had. Um, I stop what I'm doing and I go and find something else to do that's a little bit more active, mm. uh, whether it's just tidying a, a little corner of that table there, just to take my mind off that, or going into the kitchen and just pottering around in there for a bit. So even though I'm in an environment with food, mm. I'm not tempted to eat because I'm actually physically doing something different, but I make myself do something physical. Mm-hmm. And then that goes away. Mm. And then I'll come back to my laptop and I'll sit down and carry on working for a bit. And then when I have that awful craving again, because I I think it's just that concentrating on something like that. And it's an emotional hunger that you're feeding. There's some emotion that needs Mm -hmm. addressing. Mm. 
and we often reach out to food to address that mm. emotional hunger when actually something else will do it. And I think a lot of people can identify with that. Um, I mean, how, how often do you come across that? How often are people honest about it? Um, I think honesty implies they actually recognise it as. Being I was just going to say, or I maybe think, that isn't the right question. But how do people realise? They don't recognise. I think. I think it's a lot of the work that Holly does is. Um, is helping people to actually analyse is a big word, but actually understand a little bit more about what's mm. motivating them. But curious is a good word. Yes. Curious mm. is a wonderful word. So curious about what motivates you when when you have this feeling to eat, whatever it is. What is it that's motivating mm. you to do that? Just be curious and, and sit with it mm. and look at it. I think a lot of people, you know, as soon as the, the emotion comes, it's what mindfulness is all about. Yes. It's an emotion is there. You don't actually have to act on it at all. It's perfectly valid and you can act on it, but it's a good idea to put up a space in there in which you look at it and sit with it and decide what it really is. And if it really is food hunger, great, go and eat something. Yep. It's your body telling you probably do need to eat something. But if it's isolation, if it's loneliness, if it's frustration, if it's boredom, boredom if it's anger, if it's fear, if it's... Mm. There's lots and lots of other things mm. that we are feeding, we, you know, we are trying to dampen down with food. With food. Mm. Um, sometimes because that's, the, that's kind of the simplest, easiest, quickest piece of sticking plaster to put over the sore. Because of dealing with isolation, loneliness, you know, et cetera, et cetera, fear, anger, relationships, mm. whatever it is, is much harder. But I, often, I often see clients who, when they come to me, they're, they're really hard on themselves you know I'm rubbish I always fail I can't do this I don't know why I do this and you know their internal dialogue is pretty un unpleasant I think and th the first thing I ask them is okay so what do you think that is the positive intent of you snacking or you drinking or whatever it is that they're doing what's it actually getting for you and at first people can't even imagine there's anything positive about mm. overeating but you know as we've been discussing the positive intent may well be because you're feeling isolated it can make you feel more connected eating or because you're stressed it makes you feel more relaxed and once people understand that actually their actions have a positive intent they're actually trying to do maybe subconsciously trying to do mm -hmm. something positive mm -hmm. for themselves mm -hmm. suddenly all the blame disappears and mm -hmm. then you can just stand back and say okay so clearly you need to do something to change the status quo what else could you do instead what could you do that's more positive for you in the long run I'm going to tell you you're going to be proud of me you're going to give me a big tick for this <laughs> one so I was at an event yesterday and uh, there was absolutely the most gorgeous array of cakes that had been provided for us at this event for us to enjoy and you know just to celebrate the occasion and I looked at all of those cakes and I just thought what will it do for me and I actually thought that I was so it was it was a breakthrough moment for me which is why I'm sharing it with you <laughs> and that's why I said because we haven't seen each other for a while so that's a tick there for me absolutely and I did say what's it going to do for mm. me and I thought to myself well and I smiled and somebody saw me smiling they said Mimi you're smiling to yourself you look you know what are you thinking I said I'm actually thinking I'm not going to eat one of those cakes even though I'm hungry um, because I know it's not going to be good for me because mm. I know that when I eat that it's going to add to my waistline it's going to make me feel guilty afterwards and I don't need to feel I've got enough on my plate without adding guilt to it as well. <laughs> so I decided not to do that. Well done. And I feel really proud of myself yeah. for that. And, yeah. this is, and you should too. You know, and this is the thing, it's learning how to question that and that's yeah. something that you've taught me to do. Because mm. um, I wasn't like that before. I would blame myself. I was one of those. 
You know, it's my fault. Oh, my goodness, look at me. I've got no self-control. What's wrong with me? Why can't I control this urge to eat? You know, why do I have to eat all the time? Well, you know, da, 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 da. I'm never going to be thin if I do this, you know, because mm. <laughs> that's another obsession with our society as well, isn't it? Being thin. Yeah. And it's a massive obsession. I think <laughs> yeah. we are very, very obsessed with aesthetics and it's not about aesthetics. Mm. It's about what's a healthy way to be. And if you eat health and you look after yourself, you will be the right weight. Nature will do that for you. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point because I'm going through a phase at the moment, is what I say to myself, I'm finding my body's natural balance again. I've been on so many ridiculous and wretched diets. I've done so many things over the years. I've cut out so many things in my life. But I was saying to Holly, I have this affinity with certain foods. And if I don't have them for a long time, I really feel quite ill. Mm. And one of those is a piece of toast. <laughs> so once a week, I will have a piece of toast. And I feel so much better for it. And it just makes my day better. And do you know what? That, that goes back to something I may have mentioned before, this sort of all or nothing approach. Very often we think, you know, we either have to do something completely yes. or not at mm, all. Mm. But actually having a balanced diet and a balanced life is not about never enjoying some of the things that you like, obviously within reason. <laughs> but I say to a lot of people, if, if you put snacks to one side, there are 21 meals in a week, mm -hmm. 21 opportunities. So what if a couple of them aren't perfect? Mm -hmm. You know, if you go out with friends or someone's birthday you have a piece of cake it's not the end of the world you've still got 19 other opportunities Indeed. to eat really really well and I think that that's a really nice way to live your life it's an easier way to live your life isn't it because you're not putting that constraint and restraint on yourself constantly no. you just learn to look at things in a balanced way you're listening to Mimi Harker and my fabulous guest aren't we having a, I'm loving this conversation I'm sort of you know it's all very personal to me as well so I'm loving it so I've got Holly Miles and I've got Joanna Hill and we've been talking about all sorts of amazing things um, and we concentrated very much in the last segment about um, why diets don't work and how we can change our mindset about why we eat and what we eat and why we eat what we eat <laughs> which is really fascinating it really is fascinating so it all started with the Bagnall Centre and now it's going to be called Bagnall Wellness okay and um, what we're doing now is taking our work out um, to wherever we're invited mm -hmm. to deliver it yep um, in the form of um, anything from a one-hour talk um, through a two-hour, three-hour um, or six-week course of two hours a week covering all aspects of health mm -hmm. and well-being and the impact of our environment, what we eat and, and the things that we do on our health. And in, the idea is to empower people and give them the tools they need to be curious about why they're doing what they're doing and um, learn how to... Um, giving them the motivation to change and helping them to make the changes to be healthier. Mm -hmm. So where can people find out about the courses that you're running? Because obviously they need to know how much it's going to cost, where they're going to be held, what time of day. So is that all on a website somewhere? Yes, it's on the Bagnall Wellness website. Uh -huh. uh, it's also on Eventbrite. So and okay. you can book through Eventbrite. We are running some courses in the morning and some in the evening. And we have five different locations throughout Buckinghamshire. Mm -hmm. High Wycombe being the most important, um, but also um, Gerrard's Cross, Beaconsfield, Chesham and Amersham. Mm -hmm. um, the courses will be starting in April and there's various talks throughout the rest of April. And then there'll be more courses in June 
with introductory talks in May. Mm-hmm. So the High Wycombe course is there are two, there's, there's two opportunities here, aren't there? So you've got um, in so the 18th of April from 9:30 to 11:30. That's at High Wycombe Guildhall. So what's that all about? Well, I'll let Holly tell you a bit more about... uh, Well, that's one of the the talks, why diets don't work Mm -hmm. and what you can do about it. Uh, The talk itself is probably just over an hour. Mm -hmm. It's an opportunity for questions. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also bring along my body composition uh, scales, uh, these Tanita scales, which are quite interesting because... Um, one of the main reasons that uh, carrying additional weight is problematic is the fat that you store around your internal organs mm-hmm. called visceral fat. And these tinnitus scales not only obviously just weigh you, but they can also tell you your levels of visceral fat, which can be connected to other health risks. That's amazing. But also what proportion of you is muscle to fat, um, what we call your metabolic age. Yeah. Now, you want to be your chronological age um, but or, or less yeah. but if your age is higher than it should be then you really need to do something about it mm-hmm. so it's a really interesting piece of kit um, and it can be really motivational for people to stand on that so that I'll be bringing that along as well okay now that sounds fascinating it's incredible isn't it because they look like a pair of scales yeah and you just stand on them and it does all that for you I find that completely mind-blowing actually <laughs> well I've, I've read the science behind it but I still think it's magic yes. honestly <laughs> I mean it feels magical I've been on those scales and when you, I mean one of the things you said was I don't have much visceral fat around my all my internal organs and I thought oh that's good that so all, you know so all I have to lose is this lot here somehow <laughs> so okay so but, but, uh, you've also got a six-week program starting um, I've got the dates here for High Wycombe being, again, it was the Thursday, the 25th of April. Yes, yes, we've got a, a course. So the six-week programme has actually been sort of founded on advice by the World Health Organisation, the NHS, and NICE. Uh, so it's very much in line with the current sort of government guidelines, etc. It's aimed, or the course is aimed at uh, enabling sustainable lifestyle change. So it's not just about weight loss, although for a lot of people making these changes could result in some weight loss um, and we don't we don't have products or we don't ask people to count points or any of those sorts of things it's all just sort of what we think is really useful information about how your body works and what you need to do to, to take good care mm-hmm. of it over the six weeks we cover a number of different sort of topics the first one being blood sugar which is connected to weight management and type 2 diabetes risk and also energy mm-hmm. Uh, we also look at cardiovascular health. You know, there's lots of confusion about cholesterol out there and you know, what you need to do to protect your heart. Uh, we look at digestion. So many people have you know, digestive niggles, shall we say. Quite often people go to the GP. There's nothing officially wrong with them, but they still don't feel as good as yes. they could. So we address that. Mood, Interesting. energy and healthy ageing which we thought might be a nice Ooh, topic. healthy ageing. Yes. I like that one. <laughs> yeah. So throughout the course, we're, we're giving people sort of practical advice on how to implement the suggestions we're making, recipe ideas. I also do quite a lot of coaching throughout the, the courses, so helping people feel motivated and overcome any barriers to change. And then we also address things like sleep, learning how to manage stress with things like mindfulness. 
and getting people to move around more. Yeah. Yeah, and that's actually quite a difficult one if, you, if you're someone that suffers from a lot of pain mm. because the one thing you don't want to do is exacerbate the pain. But on yeah. the other hand, you know that you've got to do something or it's only going to get worse. Mm. So that's quite a big mindset thing to overcome, and I know that myself. Yes, I can imagine. Because um, I know that I, when I walk, I find it really difficult, and therefore it puts me off mm. trying to do anything. Yeah. And I can see the results of that, sadly. But, um, and, and, and I am trying to do something about it. But it, I, I have to say it's that pain thing that stops you from doing things. Yeah. You know, because you do feel pretty awful when you're trying to push through the pain and do physical exercise. Fibromyalgia can be particularly challenging because it, it, it can make people feel very tired. Mm. And obviously there is a pain element as well. And I think with something like that, it's addressing relaxation and sleep sort of the the central components Mm. um but no it's it's not always an easy thing to do it can take time Mm -hmm. but the hope is that by providing people with lots of information so that they can try different avenues yes that they'll find a way that works for themselves Indeed, and that's certainly the journey that I'm on at the moment. I think it's brilliant what you're doing, and I think t- in today's world, it is becoming more and more of a must rather than a maybe. Mm. Because people, I think, are realising, as we hear more about it, as we learn more about it, we are beginning to realise those links with the, you know, the environment, what we do to ourselves, what we feed ourselves, what we pour into us. I was having this thought to myself the other day about lipstick, and how much of that I must eat and how, how bad it must be for my body. Not only that, I think it's something like 70% of what you put on your skin will go in. So it's not only what you actually eat, it will be absorbed through your skin. Yeah. I think it's our largest largest organ of excretion and it's one a significant one of um, absorption yes. as well. Yes. Mm. I mean, it, I don't know where that so. thought suddenly came from. I think it's because I was just biting my lips yeah. and I thought, gosh, and I'm eating And it's not only lipstick. lipstick, it's all cosmetics. Yes. So it's worth just thinking about yeah. what's in what you're putting on your skin you know what i wouldn't face the world without it <laughs> there are more natural <laughs> cosmetics now that are much better same with all body products hair products what you use in your home mm-hmm. everything around you yes. air freshness it's worth just worth thinking what a cocktail of chemicals we live in and mm-hmm. indeed Indeed. And, and with the incidence of growing and growing and growing of people becoming ill with those chronic illnesses, chronic diseases, um, I think we're all starting to think a bit more because we're all a bit more educated as well, aren't we? Mm. And that's the thing. And because of you going out and doing talks like this in various centres and people coming and listening to those, they will take that message away and they will pass it on to other people and say, I went to this and I heard. And what do you think? And it starts the conversation. And that's what it needs to be, don't you think? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, a conversation. Yes. Um, about around the whole sort of holistic approach to life. Um, so where does the future sort of, which direction is it going in? Well, our aim is to be running um, more and more courses as time goes by. Um, hopefully the success of the participants will will bring more people to the courses. Um, and our goal is really to get as many people as possible out of the doctor's surgery um, and away from medication, yep. you know, where that's possible. Um, and reduce the load on the NHS because, mm. for example, there are three and a half million and counting diabetics in the country, of which 95% are type 2. And type 2, um, just from my limited experience, the people I know who've got type 2 diabetes, who've actually followed um, a reasonably specific diet, which I think is quite low carb, they've benefited from that. Um, and they've and some some of them. I mean, I've got one friend in particular who said that she's no longer mm. 
um, type 2 diabetic. Yes. I find that astonishing. It's reversible. How does that work? Well, it's been proven by Roy Taylor at Newcastle University with a very low-calorie milkshake diet, which is not for everybody. Yes. But, of course, it's very easy to do that in uh, clinical trial surroundings, so that's why he chose to do it mm -hmm. that way. But diabetes is effective, and Holly, correct me if I'm wrong, is, di is um, carbohydrate intolerance. So uh, if you had gluten intolerance, you'd be told not to eat gluten. Yes. If you had dairy intolerance, you'd be told not to eat dairy. Yeah. So there's something strange about... I think you, you can use the uh, in word intolerance to sort of draw a parallel, mm -hmm. but it's basically, and it is often uh, genetically, some people are more sensitive to carbohydrates than others, mm -hmm. and therefore they can't, their bodies just can't cope with the, the levels of carbohydrates in our, our Western diet, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And the system in, within the body to manage blood sugar levels just, just can't cope and things start to go wrong. You become insulin resistant and then eventually the pancreas may not produce enough insulin. So going on these low carb uh, carbohydrate diets for some people can actually put them into remission whereby their blood sugar remains in normal levels mm -hmm. yep. and, they, and they may not need to be taking medications anymore. Um, but the thing is, I think if you have a genetic predisposition, if you go back to eating the way you were, the chances are it's going to, it's going come, to come back. Come back. Of course, so I think yeah, common sense. the word remission is probably the, the, the best one to use because you don't want people thinking, right, it's all fine, it's all I can good. go back to yeah. what I was doing before. Yeah. Because obviously it's, it's going to affect you for the rest of your life. If that's yeah. your intolerance, that's your but intolerance. But it's not a disease. It's not caused by yeah. a pathogen coming from somewhere else. It's a systemic breakdown. And that's the thing that I think that most people don't know. Mm. And I think if everybody knew that actually you can deal with type 2 diabetes simply mm. by... A well, look at Roy Taylor's work. Okay. Okay, so if you're listening out there and this is you, Google Roy Taylor and have a look mm. and see what, what um, all the conclusions that he comes out with. Because I find that really fascinating, that just by that one simple change, and it is simple, even though we live in a world that is really... Um, carbohydrate dominant mm. and, I, and we are because we have toast in the morning or cereal we'll have sandwich at lunchtime you know so we'll have something carbohydrate with either protein at dinner time mm. um, and yeah. it's also interesting that a lot of those carbohydrates contain gluten and mm -hmm. we have such a big problem with gluten intolerance now because mm. we mm. just never get away from it and I th yeah I think one of the problems with our diets is we eat too much of the same foods mm. and I think if you eat everything Unless you obviously have a, a, a true allergy, and we'll see, then you need to avoid it. But if you're eating everything in sort of moderation, you're not going to be overloading yourself with any one particular nutrient or food group. Mm -hmm. But also you're going to be increasing the variety of foods you're eating. Mm -hmm. And all the different sort of natural, the plants that we're eating, contain all sorts of nutrients that we've, we've be evolved to be eating. Um, yeah, more um, likely to get everything your body needs. And one of the other things that's uh, been, been um, very simple way of thinking about is eating a rainbow. Yeah. Oh, I a, love that. A lot of grain <laughs> foods are beige. Yes. Well, that's not in the rainbow. <laughs> yes, yes, I never thought of it like that. So the more, if you think, if you think rainbow, you're thinking lots of fruits and vegetables. Yes. Well, that's a fantastic place to start. Amazing. Mm. Mm. What a great note to end on because, ladies, believe it or not, we have come to the end of our hour. That has been stunning. You've given us so much sorry for this but so much food for thought <laughs> <laughs> someone had to say it <laughs> well it was just it was just tripped off the tongue <laughs>
Oh, thank you so much for inviting us on, Mimi. It's, thank you. No, Mimi. it's been an absolute pleasure, and I'm so delighted to have the opportunity to share your learning with so many people because I think an awful lot of people listening to this today will benefit um, from hearing what you've said and how we can make simple changes with our lifestyle in order to try and help. For me, it's been that whole mindfulness thing, just thinking about why I do what I do and when I do it and trying to find another way of tackling the issue. Um, and that's made me very much more mindful about most things in life. And it's, 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 it's actually rubbing off onto other areas of my life, not just food. So, um, yeah, I stood up to a bully yesterday. That was really empowering. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to tell me more about that another time. I will indeed. No, <laughs> absolutely. But it was very empowering. And it's that mindfulness thing again. Do I really want this person to talk to me like that? Or am I going to make it quite clear that was unacceptable? So there you go. Lovely listeners, if you're in the mood for changing your mindset, if you're in the mood for changing your life, this is the way you do it. Do think about it. Come along to the course in High Wycombe. It's at the Guildhall. Um, the first one's on the 18th of April at 9th. 30 in the morning it's 9 30 to 11 30 um, and it's that one's um, entitled why diets don't work but then of course there's the six-week program as well that's starting on the 25th of april also in the morning um, and that one all the details are on the website so and the website address is bagnallwellness.com bagnallwellness.com um, a big thank you to you both for coming in it's been a joy and a pleasure it's been lovely I've enjoyed the conversation enormously this, uh, today and um, it's been and come back and talk to us again when you've got more information about some of the other things you're doing and if you're a corporate out there and you think this would be beneficial to your entire workforce what a great opportunity to get these wonderful ladies in to talk about lifestyle health mental well-being um, to, to, your, to your workforce you will actually probably double your output from them because they will be feeling so much better with life so go on that website and have a look and in the meanwhile thank you so much for listening it's been great to have your company thank you again for joining me today Joanna Hill and Holly Miles it's been great to have you here as my guest today you've been listening to Mimi Harker this is Mimi Meets and you've been listening on Wickham Sound you've been listening to a podcast from Wickham Sound to find out more head to wickhamsound.org.uk